When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, international photojournalist, Monica Morgan. Hey, what you drink? Wow. Okay, and then Rosa Parks, Aretha Franklin. Uh, you know, you've taken pictures of how many pres- how many U.S. presidents? Let's see, the Bushes, and I was actually George W. Bush's photographer, official photographer, when he came to Detroit. And that's another story too, because I was shooting for the Teamsters, and the Teamsters asked me if I would document this event with President George W. Bush. I'm ready, telling everyone I'm I'm taking photographs for the president. And then I get there, one of his advanced people comes up and says, "Oh, we don't need you." What? I told people I'm photographing the president. What do you mean? Oh no, I was going to talk to George W. Bush and call him out and say, "How dare you take away my job on Labor Day of all days?" <laughs> Anyway, he got there and I took photographs. I didn't care. I started taking photographs. And then his photographer, Eric Draper, he stopped. He said, she's got this. He was a brother and he accepted me and I finished the job. So after that, when everyone was gone out of the room, except Eric Draper and a couple Secret Service people and the president, the president came over to me. He said, I've met everyone but you. And I said, well, hi there. I'm Monica Morgan. And he said, man, we take a photo. And he had Eric Draper take a photograph of us. And Eric sent it to me. And recently I was researching that event to find a date. And I saw myself on a website photographing him. Someone else had taken that image. Wow. Okay. So George W. Bush. Uh, Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama, uh, Bill Clinton. Oh, uh, and of course, uh, President Biden. Oh, and. Donald Trump. Wow. Uh, it, okay, I'm just I'm flabbergasted, right? I just I can't imagine. It's it's my lifelong one of my dream goals is to have a conversation with a United States president. The closest I could get was to shake the hand of Vice President Al Gore, and you're like having conversations with with heads of states in the United States and other countries as well. It's been a blessing. It's it's been that. It wasn't something that I set out to do. And I don't take it for granted by any means, Galen. Mm -hmm. And when I speak about it, I speak about it because I was just doing my job. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm hesitant to say things because I don't want people to feel as if I'm name dropping because I'm not. It's truly the walk that I've that I've had in my journey. And so sometimes I've actually forgotten some of the people that I photographed. And and due to the pandemic, I was able to sit down and look at negatives of images that I had 
when I was able to slow down and say, oh, I photographed that person. I have photographed Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, Lena Horn. I've been in rooms with, uh, oh, Betty Shabazz called me home girl. She used to buy photos that I took of her. And, and so it, the list goes on and on and on. And people like Lionel Hampton, Cab Calloway, Dizzy Gillespie. Those are some of the legends. Muhammad Ali performed magic for me. Evil Knievel. <laughs> Sophia Loren called me. She said, Belissima to me. And I went because I've always grown up admiring her. So it's just what I do. And one of the things that I try as a result of that is to take young people with me when I'm covering something historical so that they can understand that whatever their dream is, it can come true too. Wow. I love that. I love, I love the message that you are carrying with you as you do your job, because, you know, the life that has become common for you is extraordinary to everyone else. Okay. So now I got to ask, how do you become the personal photographer for Rosa Parks? Galen, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, <laughs> these, I would take photographs of events, perhaps three to five events a day. It was a whirlwind. I was somewhere and Rosa Parks was having an event. I was taking photographs. And the next thing I knew, I was her personal and official photographer. But the greatest thing about that experience is she has signed things for me. And one of the things that she would always be consistent with was to Monica Morgan, a dear friend and a great photographer. And that meant more to me than anything. Once we were on a trip, they called me the photographer, the people who was, were hosting us at Lincoln University. They had me, that was supposed to sleep in the basement where Bishop Tutu's guards had slept. It looked scary. And I went... <laughs> Okay, I'm glad for his guards, but I am not trying to sleep there. So Mrs. Parks said, oh, baby, you can sleep in the room with me. Well, Mrs. Parks didn't like air conditioning, so I didn't want to do that either. And next thing I knew, they made accommodations for me. But the point was, they said she could sleep where Bishop Tutu. And I ended up photographing Bishop Tutu, too, several times. So So again, just something that just slipped under the radar screen. So um, Rosa Parks offered to let you sleep with her? That's how she was in front of the camera and behind the camera. Just a wonderful person. And we would have we would have conversations like you and I are having. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about it. I just was doing what I do. And I was honored to do it. And I can't tell you how how that feeling is. It wasn't that I took it for granted, but it was. And I, I wish now that I had had more conversations, but I didn't want her to. I don't want to tire her out. Everyone was always in her face. Mm. And I knew there were times when I felt she just wanted some quiet time. And I was there during some of those moments. I remember when she was attacked and I was I was called to the hospital to see her. Of course, I left my camera at home because I didn't that that wasn't my thought. My thought was, is she okay? Yeah. President Clinton was calling her and Cicely Tyson, all these different calls. And I was in the room with her. It was a suite. And I was in the room with her. And I said, Mrs. Parks, I'm so angry. I can't believe someone did this to you. And she looked at me and said, it's okay. It could have been worse. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's all I can come up with as well. And every conversation you and I have had, it ends with or somehow includes 
you having a personal experience with them. Uh, I remember when Aretha Franklin passed away and there was this big ceremony and performance on television. And I happened to be talking with you and (laughs) you shared with me, oh yeah, my photograph is is the closing image in, in Aretha Franklin's obituary. It's actually on the inside front page. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about Aretha Franklin. And, you know, uh, I shared with you how passionate I am about how my listeners know uh, how much admiration and and almost love I have for Miles Davis and his creativity. And of course, you've you've taken pictures of Miles Davis. I didn't. And there was an opportunity here where he performed right before he passed and I couldn't get credentials. Uh, I was just starting out and I couldn't get credentials for that. And I heard that he performed with his back to the audience, the entire concert. Yeah. So now that that's like a miss, a misunderstanding with Miles Davis. Uh, because he does, he, he, he performed with his back to the audience, but he was really not turning his back to the audience. He was turning his horn to his band. That's the story that I've heard is that he, he said that he doesn't turn his back to the audience. He turns his horn to his band because that's where the sa- that's where the sound is the purest. And for him, it's about the music. And if you're there to watch him, then you just happen to be in the room when he's making music. So, so talk a little bit about this metaphor that I've been building about, you know, whiskey, jazz, and leadership. And I, I've shared, you know, whiskey is about doing what you enjoy because you enjoy it and finding your crew and, and whether other folks dig it or not, you and your crew, you're just going to enjoy it. And, and jazz is about, uh, and you've shared some great examples already about finding a way finding a way to complete the mission. Although things aren't going according to plan. Uh, I, I got a camera. I'm here to do a job. We're going to figure this thing out, right? Um, I'm flying to, to South Africa. I don't have a bed. We're going to figure it out, right? But that's jazz. And then leadership is, and again, you've shared so many great examples. But for me, it's about taking that first step, although you might not see the rest of the, of the staircase. It's about taking action. So how does that metaphor fit with what you do and who you are? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm not sure this is the answer to the question, but it is something that's burning within me right now. When I photograph artists like Aretha Franklin or I photograph Phyllis Hyman and just different people, when I have my lens up, I know when it's going to hit the high moment. I notice that the performers, oftentimes they close their eyes or they they move with the music. And I start to realize that it's their gift emerging and, and coming out. And I know when to push that button to capture the height or when Dizzy Gillespie's cheeks were filled and I was able to, to document that. I was feeling the moment and watching them experience perhaps the gift taking over their body, if you will. And so when I pick up that camera, the same thing happens to me. Mm. I know when it's the moment. I know the time to push that shutter. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's just something that hit me because I've been doing things so quickly 
lately I've been able to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you've documented someone for a third or fourth or fifth time, you can start to relax a little bit and just perhaps find a different moment. But then I realized I, I'm experiencing something with them. I noticed that the drummers, when they start to drum, they, they it just comes over them. And to watch that, mm-hmm. to see that metamorphosis, it just it's amazing. Wow. It's phenomenal. And so that right there helps me with what I do, because I know that's the moment that needs to be captured and needs to be shared with everyone. You know, I I imagine that with your craft, you are kind of similar to some experiences that I've had with my craft. Uh, There are moments when I'm working with executives or I may be training a, a group of people in a room but there's a moment when I can look into the eyes of the other person and just know that I've just shifted their their mindset. I've just changed something for the better inside of them. And I can tell, I can just, I can physically see it. And, and that's the moment when I literally get payoff for all of my education, all of my training, all of my experience, that, that moment is the payoff. Is there a particular photo that you've taken or a particular person that you photographed that you can think back and say, that was a moment when I was experiencing my gift. And it may not be of a well-known person. It may not be of someone who we can, that we might ooh and ah uh, about, but is there, is there a photograph that comes to mind when I, I, when I describe uh, this, this, experience of fitting into your gift? It's when I photograph children, especially foreign children who don't speak the same language. So there's there are a couple of photos that I absolutely love. What three photos that I love. One is Celestia from Kumasi, Ghana. The other is Petunia from South Africa. And then the third one is a young lady that I call a Ugandan princess. She was a very dark complected young child who was having a birthday party and she was wearing a white satin dress. And you don't typically see that in Africa because they always want you to see children as impoverished. And that's not the case. But when I picked up my camera and I documented these three children at different times, of course, the innocence in their eyes, the look that they gave me, seeing this foreign woman with a camera, yet they stood still and their eyes almost penetrated through the camera lens. Those are the images that stand out to me. And of course, there would be some well-known people that I've also had that same interaction with, but it's something about the children because they allowed me to do that, to take their image. And they were serious. One was smiling, but two of the other children, they were serious. But it was a beautiful innocence that came out. And those are just the ones that stand out to me. Wow. So what advice do you give to potentially, uh, you know, those who are new to your craft, right? This this thing that you've developed, you've spent your entire life um, honing. Uh, you probably, it sounds like you've gotten to a place where you don't even know how you do what you do anymore. You You just do it, right? You just know when the moment is right. So what do you what advice do you give to people who are maybe at the beginning of their journey 
uh, they've got a passion for photography, but they're working on their skill or they're working on whatever it takes to become Monica Morgan. They're still working on that. What do you share with them to encourage them to continue? The most important thing is to not allow the what ifs to get in the way. Mm. Oftentimes, people don't understand what it is to be a photographer, to be a photojournalist. It is not a typical career choice. So there are people who may even mean well who will say, don't do it. You need something to fall back on. And of course, I heard that over and over again. I walked away from great paying corporate America jobs to fall into this this arena. It wasn't something that I ever thought I would do. So I say to them to stay true to what it is that they want to do, to find their passion and to explore it. Don't worry about what other people say. If they focus, learn all that they can about it and not just about photography, but learn about business. That's probably the most important thing to learn about is about leadership, etiquette, communication, how to speak, because you have to be able to communicate with people sometimes without ever opening your mouth. Your camera speaks for you. And so when you walk in a room, you have to be able to take over in that you're going to get to the right spot and get the photograph, even if someone is pushing you out the way. And it may not happen overnight. You may have to keep on and keep on and keep on. But one day it'll happen for you. There were many times when People would tell me, you can't do this, you can't do that. Or I got, they would say, you can't get in a room. And I got in a room and I just didn't listen to the noise. I found one mentor who encouraged me. And that was Harold Robinson, who was the first African-American hired by a major daily newspaper. He took me under his wing and he he gave me, he put his world into me. Mm-hmm. He told me what camera to get. If I didn't know how to do something, I'd call Harold up and say, hey, Harold, they want me to shoot from a helicopter. Can I do that? And he would give me the instructions as to what I needed to do. So I had one mentor and then I was self-taught. I just did it. I just kept doing it. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. But it, it fell into place. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, just so many great principles that, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about, uh, you know, how these principles apply to becoming uh, an, an international photojournalist or photographer. But these are principles that apply to life. And I, I'm just really, I'm always impressed with your vulnerability uh, because when you and I first met, uh, I think uh, I was just getting into this this space as a professional coach, and you were one of my clients, right? So you had a we had a coaching experience. You are amazing, Galen. You are <laughs> you brought things out that I had never thought of. So thank you for that. You brought out me my ability to tell the stories behind the photos. And oftentimes I didn't even realize if there wasn't a big story, still a small story made a difference because there were lessons learned. Mm. So talk, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, very, very often people will say, well, Galen, what makes you an amazing coach? And it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's true. What makes me an amazing coach is, is, is to work with amazing clients. Right. And, and you were, an amazing client because you were willing to go into areas, although you were afraid, 
although it made you nervous, you were willing to go there. You were willing to trust the process. And that vulnerability, I think, may, it may not, but it, I think it may play a role in how you're able to capture some of these images that other people are drawn to. What role would you say vulnerability plays in you experiencing your craft? I put myself into my subject's position. I take images based on how I think they would want to be captured mm. or remembered. If a person is a serious person, then I photograph them in their seriousness, but I bring out the best moment of them being serious. If it's a person who's funny, I bring out that. So I work on and strive to bring out a person's true essence when I document them. There are some photographers who want to get the ugly moments or the, the authentic moments, as they call them. And it's, I try to bring out what I feel is within that person. And something to make them feel good and about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen many times. There was a woman once who cried when I photographed her. She said that all her life she had been ugly. And mm-hmm. it was the first time she had seen herself not ugly. And so it's those moments. Once a mother came to me and she said, please photograph my daughter. Her, she's always cross-sided images. And I wanted to say to her, what makes you think I can uncross her eyes. And because she had that faith in me, I had her daughter look every kind of way, every angle. I don't know how I did it, but I did photograph her eyes uncrossed. Wow. What would you say would be your key learnings from the life that you've lived? You've shared so many amazing principles that are just life principles. But I'm I'm curious, what would you say are some of the key standout principles that have allowed you to be who you are right now? Stay focused. Don't allow any of the negative voices of people get in the way. So I was in South Africa in an elevator, didn't know where I was going, but I was at the Carlton Hotel, which was the headquarters for Nelson Mandela's political party, the ANC. And the elevator operator said, Madiba, Madiba. And I said, Madiba. He said, yes, Madiba. I said, is Madiba here? He said, yes. And I said, where is Madiba? He said, he's upstairs, uh, American journalist interviewing him. He said, and he asked me, where was I going? I said, I'm going to Madiba. And when I got there, there was a guy who had worked for the White House here in the States. And he was there. We had encountered each other. And he was in trying to be big time and in the way. And he saw me. He said, oh, yeah, no, you won't. You, you won't have an opportunity to see Nelson Mandela. And I basically said to him, you aren't running anything over here. <laughs> I'm home. This is, this is my home. You're not running anything. And I waited for Nelson Mandela to come out. And he did. And I asked him if I could photograph him. I don't remember what he said. All I know is he stood there and posed for me. So my point is, there's always a naysayer. Do not let the naysayers get into your mind. Don't let the negative anything get into your mind. I've been told many, many times what I could not do. And this is a very, very important story. There was a major agency who asked me if I was going to the opening of the Smithsonian Museum. And I said, well, if you get me a pass, 
I didn't realize what it was. They were having trouble getting access. So I went through some of my congressional friends and through some of my corporate friends. Anyway, I ended up getting a pass. Now, the pass was sent to my AOL address. Now, there is no way in the world you could think that that company or that entity from the Smithsonian made a mistake and thought they were sending it to that corporation. That corporation, once I got there, tried to pull my credential and they said it was for us. No, it was to me at my AOL account. But what could I do? I had to give away my credentials. See, they wanted to own the images. And when I shoot for them, I own my images and I lease them. Well, my first thought was, okay, uh, a lot of people would have given up. I didn't give up. I got there, tried to finagle my way in, realized it wasn't working. But I was standing on the side that people were trying to get to. I had been in that place before. I said, "Mm." I snuck off, kept walking. I saw another young man who was trying to get in. They had done the same thing to him. I told him, just come on, come on with me. Come on with me. We walked off. So we got to an area where Oprah showed up, Gail showed up, Stepman showed up. I took photos of them. The richest man, the richest African-American man in the world, Robert Smith, he showed up. I had just photographed him at Congressional Black Caucus. I said, hey, I've got great photos of you. I took a photograph with he and his mom. And then there was Samuel L. Jackson, which I spent some time with in Detroit. I took photographs of he and and. I think it was, I can't remember, Magic Johnson or Magic's wife. And and, and then there was Ava DuVernay and Lupita and some of these cast members. And I asked them if they post. So I'm getting all of these images because I didn't allow them at that gate to stop me. Mm-hmm. And then I, that agency, I sent them, hey, did you get this person? Did you get that person? Well, I knew that the, their credential was on a riser. They didn't have access to where I was. <laughs> and then I ended up getting from that point in to where the president was in different places. So I ended up capturing the moment, not the way it was planned, but the way it was supposed to be for me to tell the story that had I allowed them to tell me no, then none of that would have occurred. Wow. And, and, and that, uh, my listeners, that is jazz. I mean, that is great example of what it takes to get from where you are to where you really want to be. If you're waiting for everything to be laid out for you, that time is never, ever going to come. And the word that continues to pop into my mind as I listen to your story is the word persistence. I I don't know if this is true because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hack of a photographer. And But I I believe that anyone with a camera can take a picture, but it takes something else to be a photographer. It takes something else to be an international photojournalist. And I think that that something else may be persistence. Man, I just just so enjoy every conversation that I have with you. Uh, I got to bring you into the VIP room. But before we go, uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to just hear more about who you are, what you do. You've got a not only a, a photography career, but you've got a speaking career. Uh, if you go to your websites, you see all of these amazing, amazing images in the galleries, but you've got so many more images that you're actually making money from, right? So how can people get a hold of you if they just want to learn more about uh, who Monica Morgan is? I would say the best way is Monica at MonicaMorganPhotography.com. 
that comes directly to me, Monica at MonicaMorganPhotography.com. And I have two websites, MonicaMorganPhotography.com and Monica Morgan Speaks. LinkedIn and Facebook, some Instagram, but basically if they email me, that's that's direct contact. Gotcha. And then you got a, a weekly show that you do. You got a, a podcast and a weekly show that you do as well. So talk just a little bit about that before I drag you into the VIP room. It's a live call-in radio show. And it is broadcast through 910 AM Superstation, which is on the iHeart app. And we also go live through Facebook. Ah, just amazing. And I, I'm I'm actually proud of myself for having someone like you just in my contact list, just just knowing that you're one of the people that I can call and just have a conversation about any of these things. And at some point, I'm going to I'm going to convince bribe, pay you off to take some photos of me just so I can be included in this long list of luminaries that you've that you've captured. Uh, plus, uh, just listening to you, I know that that is an experience that uh, very few people, very few normal human beings will get to experience. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. Any, any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we uh, bring you into the VIP room? I would like to say, Galen, that you are outstanding when it comes to bringing a person outside of their shell, outside of their comfort zone, and helping them to realize what their true passion is, because you helped me with that. There are so many different areas and arenas that I've been in as a writer, as a speaker, as a photographer, but you helped me pull out the points and areas that I needed to focus on and grow on. So thank you for that. And I look forward to documenting you whenever you're ready to set up that appointment. Oh my, oh my, you guys have heard it. You've heard it. All right. Well, hey, well, that's about all I'm willing to share for free. So uh, I got to bring you to the VIP room. If you guys are listening and you are not a VIP, I have no idea what you're waiting on. I mean, for for a dollar a month, you get our newsletter, so you get the full bio of our guests. For a couple more dollars a month, you're going to get private conversations, VIP conversations recorded just for you, like the one that I am about to have with Miss Monica Morgan on the other side of this velvet rope. So uh, with that, uh, raise your glass. And uh, let's let's toast out of this part. Uh, thank you so much for just being who you are. Thank you so much for being part of my life. Uh, but thank you probably even more uh, for the persistence that you've continued to to leverage to get from where you are uh, to where you ultimately uh, expect to be. Uh, I really appreciate that. Till next time. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.